Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Each year, September 11th marks a solemn anniversary when our nation remembers and honors the victims of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. More than two decades later, it's still a difficult and emotional day as families and communities continue to grieve losses that have changed our lives forever. In today's episode, we talk with two grief recovery experts, Vicki Elner, a longtime patient advocate and nurse, and Bill Souls, a veteran social worker and director of Stress Solutions of New York. Vicki and Bill will provide a broad understanding of the various dimensions of grief, its relationship to trauma and stress and loss, how it shapes our response to tragic events. They'll talk about how we come to terms with deep losses in our lives and process our emotions and experiences. And they'll offer us some strategies to help us move forward with renewed purpose and meaning. So now let's meet our guests, Vicki Elner and Bill Souls. Bill and Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, it's good to have you. It is sort of a solemn day, and and we were we were chatting uh, as this, just before the show began about our experiences. Some of you know, to, uh, the, looking at the ceremony today, and and some of our personal experiences, and you know, it, it still is very emotional for me. I'm sure for everybody, you know, watching really one by one the gravity of three hours of of names and and reminiscences and. And although I didn't lose anyone personally, it still is a really an emotional, uh, heart wrenching experience. So, um, and it, it did change our lives. So, so just just start off with this telling me where you guys were. I'm sure you remember exactly where you were that day. Um, so, Vicky, why don't you start off, and then Bill, just give us a sense of what you remember and and how it's changed your life. So, thank you, Ron. Uh, of course, you know every nine uh, eleven. And in between, we remember, you know, the tragedy of 9-11, certainly how it's reframed us today uh, individually and as a society. For me, uh, it was a beautiful day. I'll never forget that, on the, you know, uh, in 2001. I mean, the sun, the, the, the sky was blue, uh, beautiful weather. I was driving to a meeting. Um, when I got there, uh, they had a networking buddy of mine uh, mentioned that, oh, you know what? He had heard that a plane had hit one of the twin towers and when he first said it was i was like first i thought maybe he was kidding and then it was or metaphoric and then he you know he, he didn't really have a lot of details or were sketchy things nothing was really coming through at that point um so there was a little lag time people were sitting down when could the meeting to begin and then as the meeting began somebody went over to the person who was leading the meeting whispered in their ear who very quickly said, I'm sorry, but we have to disband this meeting. There's been a national emergency. And we still didn't really understand it. Um, and as as chatter went, uh, we wound up in front of a TV set. And, uh, you know, unfortunately and sadly and, tr- and very traumatically, uh, we saw the we saw one of the towers fall. And at that point, we really knew that you know, this was this was something who we could never anticipated. Um, yeah. My drive home, and then I went. I actually went to get my car. It was on the t- uh, top of a parking garage, and I could see the smoke coming up 
from right. the city uh, to Long Island. And uh, I drove home and there were things that were happening, lights down. And it yeah. was, it was, you know, it was dramatic and dramatic and scary. Yeah. I think today it, how it's changed or I think our spontaneity or how we look at things or things that we never even thought about before, we have a different consciousness about it. And um, that, you know, has intensified over the years because of other things I think that's happened, you know, to us, our country, et cetera. Yeah. Bill, what about you? Yeah. So um, it just so happened uh, that particular morning, uh, I was on my way to the Long Island Railroad uh, to meet with the staff where I was going to be doing a workshop on, uh, ironically enough, um, trauma and the role of uh, EMDR in terms of uh, helping people uh, who've experienced uh, just that. And um, uh, as soon as I got in my car, that's when I ended up uh, hearing on the radio uh, what had transpired. And I just remember uh, just traveling over there in shock and disbelief. And then when uh, I got to Mineola where you know, the staff were housed, uh, everybody was just glued to the TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, needless to say, I didn't do any workshop. Uh, people were uh, worried about their loved ones who were, uh, you know, who worked in the towers, who were in the area of the towers. And uh, I know uh, afterwards, uh, I went home and uh, I just found myself glued to the TV. I can't tell you how many times I saw that whole picture. Um, it, it was just horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were talking, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, these sorts of things, it does change our lives forever, even if you didn't lose anyone personally. Um, I, I found it interesting looking at the names of the TVs, uh, on the TV as the names are read of the lost uh, today, just like you know wow just just the the chill of you know just the face the name and where they're from because you know they're from you know towns all around us you know and there are 500 people lost from long island um so it, it is life-changing and, and i think that's you know a uh, part of the issue of of uh, of trauma and grief now, both of you, you know, have worked in, in sort of related areas, but then you both became involved in grief recovery. So how did you get, you know, from from your current career, you know, which you're continuing, how did you um, get involved in grief recovery processes to begin with? So why don't I start with you this time, Bill? Um, yeah, so uh, I, I've always uh, been, uh, uh, I shouldn't say always, but for the better part of uh more than 25 years, I've been able to provide my clients uh, quicker acting healing, particularly related to trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, while I have been uh, very successful in that, I came to recognize or realize that there was a whole other piece that I was missing. Mm -hmm. That had to do with the relationship you know, that the individual had with their loved one, whether it was uh, going through, um, you know, um, uh, death, uh, divorce. And uh, and then I ended up learning about the grief recovery method. And I have to say, uh, 
I found it so enlightening. Um, I ended up uh, really learning a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be talking about that, uh, you know, later on in this program. Okay. And Vicki, I know that, you know, you've been involved in, you know, you've been involved in the healthcare field for a long time and I'm seeing your, your share of trauma and, and difficulty with clients and patients and how did you also, you know, not migrate, but also add on brief recovery to your portfolio? So, you know, certainly as a nurse, uh, I'm no stranger to the grief, you know, the, the grief area. You know, we're working with patients, their families, uh, and that's, you know, pretty, pretty consistent, whether it's bad news about the health thing or what's loss, et cetera. Um, that's pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty standard in that field. Uh, and really what changed, changed me, um, although I've had, losses uh most significant most significantly um i lost my brother uh, mm. to COVID. my oldest brother died of covid very soon after he died in november of uh, 2020 actually on thanksgiving day and uh it just made me you know it kind of put me into you know a different uh category i guess uh the tragedy of it and what was going on especially here being the epicenter of covid and, uh he died alone uh, and I did try to go to a uh, to a, uh, a support group. It didn't work for me. And and then, to be honest with you, what really changed for me is sitting like right in the screen was Bill Souls because Bill was you know was a grief recovery specialist, and we would be talking about it. So Bill was my mentor and also my role model mm. for wanting to get involved in grief recovery. I did look into the method that's the grief recovery method as well as other modalities, but I picked this one because of I felt that this was the the, the grief recovery method it was an evidence-based program uh, and and just gets such great reviews and it's been around a long time. Uh, so uh, it's a five-star program and uh, and I have to tell you going through the grief recovery method training really changed my life and reframed grieving for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about just looking at grief now. I think both of you have mentioned to me that, you know, one of the shorthand versions of it, that grief is the price you pay for love. And I think that's something people, you know, resonate with. Um, but talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys look at the, look at grief in terms of, you know, um, you know, and I guess the the word that strike comes out most for me is the sense of loss. You've lost something, something dear and deep. And um, you know, and and you've talked about it in terms of there's there's you know, Vic, you mentioned earlier with like nine eleven. There's a and with COVID too. There's a sense of loss of of the life we knew. It's a loss of a sense of safety and security. Um, so talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys look at loss. Why don't I switch back to you, Bill, and then we'll go back and forth. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, you know, society-wise, um, we've, uh, we all know how to acquire things. But one thing we've never taught, uh, we've never been taught, is how to adequately deal with loss. And... Um, you know, loss comes in uh, many different shapes, sizes, and, uh, you know, going through uh, the program that Vicki and I had participated in, uh, we ended up learning that there are more than 40 different kinds of loss. Hmm. And, um, you know, so um, 
and you know, maybe to just sum things up, it really pertains to lots of changes in life. So whether a person has become retired, you know, there's a loss of his work experience, uh, loss of trust. Uh, we experience losses in just so many ways that uh, we're really not uh, sensitized or our minds are, you know, attuned to that. And um, needless to say, in terms of loss, there are uh, there's a whole range of depth in terms of uh, the pain we subsequently feel. Yeah. I think previously, Vicki, you had mentioned in, in the, our previous podcast, I think it was about, you know, dealing with our transition to retirement and that, and you talked about loss in a different way there. And, uh, you know, so it, we often associate with people, but, you know, loss of, of lives we had and, um, and, and, uh, you know, insecurity and fear of the future. Yeah, so uh, I mean, loss is uh, it's just it's so misinterpreted, and grief is misinterpreted. Um, I remember back when my mother passed away. Um, I was with a colleague. One colleague said to me, "Oh, I can't believe you're here. Your mother just died." I mean, she had died a couple of weeks before that, and I thought, "How?" You know, it was like shocking. And then there was somebody else who said, well, "You know, who came to my my aid and said that." Uh, you know, that it was great that I was, you know, uh, getting out, however she termed it. Um, so I, I have to tell you, the the element of grief and loss and how people feel about it. Uh, one of the greatest things I think that somebody said to me when my mother died, for instance, um, and God, you know, God bless her, she was 91 years old, was that you're always, it's always too soon to lose your mother. All right. Mm. And, you know, and I really feel that way. There's, it's always too soon, whether you're, whether it's somebody young, old, it's always too soon. Um, and the misinterpretation about grief comes from us as a society. We don't learn these things, right? We just kind of like out there, like, you know, uh, we're flapping our wings, hoping for the best. And, uh, you know, and people are saying, get over it. Or the, the time, like, like as if there's a time frame. Somebody said, oh, it's going to take you X amount of minutes. And then if you're not over it, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. And these things keep happening, whether it's because of a loss of a loved one, a pet, or there's a life circumstances, these things keep on one on top of another. And I remember through the training, one of the things, and we had a great trainer um, who uh, would say that it becomes like a every time something happens to you in your life, it's like having a, a, a sack on your back and you keep on putting a rock in it, small rocks, and they get bigger and bigger until that burden feels so bad that you just you really can't process it. And I think there's a lot there's a lot to be said for processing through you know through grief. You know, I left out before that I lost my oldest brother uh, in to COVID. Nine months later, I lost another brother, and um, and that shook my world because you know here I am you know and this stage of my life where my siblings, uh, I expected us to be going on for, I don't know how long, but certainly longer than what we had. Um, and I still have one surviving brother. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I'm still processing that grief. I really am. Uh, and it, it, you know, it, it ebbs and flows for me. So that's what it is. 
uh, you know, I'll just throw in there and I'll end, but Kubler-Ross, which I know, we, we uh, Ron, you had alluded to in your notes. When I went to nursing school, that was like, oh, yeah, that was the gold standard. The Kubler-Ross five stands of breathing. No, no, no. It, it just isn't that way. There are not five distinct stages. Uh, first of all, if there are stages, they certainly don't happen successively. We're human beings. We can't, it can't happen that way. Um, and I, I'll talk about denial, but people, the first stage is denial. So you hear of a loss and you deny it. But it, if you go through the grief recovery or you look at their readings, what they're really alluding to is their shock, the numbness of something that happens, you know, which is you know kind of misinterpreted as as denial. Um, so you know, I just think there has to be a conscious raising about it and underst- a better understanding, and certainly a lot more sensitivity. We we as a I think a society don't know how to deal with it. We're not sensitive with it. And we really do think that it's kind of like, uh, you know, it has a expiration date. Your grief is going to be over in three months. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, Kubler-Ross, of course, deals with um, grief with uh, the passing of a, of a, of a loved one and that kind of loss. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, Bill, I mean, there are 40 different at least mentioned uh, that the 40 different kinds of losses. So I think it doesn't really address that we experience loss from lots of different experiences, not just when we lose a, you know, a loved one or a, you know, a friend or love or family member. So I think that that's, you know, being, as you point out, Rick, Vicky is, you know, sensitive to these sorts of things. And I think too, yeah, I, I um, um, you know, I, I guess you see with, with well, be, being in the news media for a long time, you know, I would, you know, with each anniversary, you would cover the anniversary and then especially things like tragedy, like plane crashes, people go to the site and it's like, you know, the, the, the discussion is, okay, they're, you know, they're coming and they're looking for closure. It's like closure. There's not closure in that classic sense, you know. So um, as you said, Vicky, it, it's cumulative and it process it. Um, and we have a lot more to talk about it, but uh, we need to take a quick break, folks. Um, uh, so, but we obviously have lots more to talk about um, with Vicki Elner and Bill Souls. Uh, so, about the grief recovery and grief recovery process. So, uh, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. Because everyone can make money in real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Vicki Elner and Bill Sulz, two experts who specialize in the grief recovery process. Before the break, we were talking about, you know, how we deal with grief and, and the, the assumptions people have about, you know, uh, about grief and whether you get over grief and, and the importance of sort of processing and going through it. Um, now, I want to talk about the grief recovery process that you guys um, uh, go through with your uh, clients. Um, but before that, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, your your sense of how you relate, um, you know, grief to trauma, you know, and I guess I think that's we we're I think we're understanding a lot more about trauma these days for for lots of different reasons, whether it's COVID or whether it's um, the veterans. Um, but I don't think we really understand the relationship. You, you talked about it a little bit earlier, Bill, but um, um, you know, and I think we usually refer to it as something you know shocking and major and i think it is but the the shock can come from in different ways so just expand a little little bit if you will yeah so um yeah i i know we had uh talked about the relationship between uh, trauma grief and stress Mm -hmm. Uh, that i think uh everybody can experience stress and grief one need not experience trauma However, one who experiences trauma will always experience uh, stress and grief. So um, it's, um, you know, and also when we talk about trauma, we talk about um, what they reference is uh, big T's, big traumas and small traumas. And, you know, I think in our society, uh, trauma is probably uh, an overused word and um but, um, you know, so certainly when we're um, here, it's the anniversary of 9-11, uh, you know, we that was a major trauma for all of us. It imprinted us. So um, one of the facts of trauma is it gets lodged in a particular part of our brain that is very different than um, all the other aspects of feeling. And... Um, so that's one of the reasons that uh, trauma is so hard to address, you know, in terms of uh, being able to feel better, you know. Well, from- is there a clinical definition of trauma, like how, how we define it? 
Yeah. Uh, well, by definition, it's um, uh, a simple definition would be an unexpected, unanticipated event that has um, just thrown your world uh, upside down. Mm. And, um, you know, so one of the natures of trauma is it it gets imprinted with us. We, we call it, it gets frozen in our brain so much so that unless it's adequately addressed, any future sights, sounds, smells, anything related to the original trauma will um, very much uh, uh, impact us because we're because that trauma has not been resolved. I think the important thing for people to understand or realize, and I think most people do not, is that trauma can be resolved. And it can be resolved um, in a much more easy, easy fashion, and it need not take so long to get uh, over the trauma. However, in terms of the notion of grief and recovery, that's certainly a longer process. Mm. Vicki, you want to piggyback on that? Any thoughts on from your end? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, working as a nurse, uh, you know, the, tra- the trauma of you know, different situations, you know, and uh, it could be the, the sudden death, a loss of someone um, that you love. And, and also then the other side of it is that there's, a slow death. You know, we see that a lot with uh, families with Alzheimer's, and you know what's happening with them is that they're processing through. Uh, it could be a year, two years, sometimes more, um, and watching that their loved one uh, deteriorate, and uh, and 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 of course the element of they're not being they're not remembered for who they are. It's you know it's a very comp- complex thing. Um, it's. And, you know, I, I've seen it time and time again, where uh, it, it's painful to watch, actually, mm-hmm. either end, but especially with that long, the, the long, uh, enduring type of caregiving situation. Um, I have some cases now that you know, that's very much the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we go in there and you just, you know, it's, uh, and they're sometimes not ready to even to accept the fact that this is going to end in, you know, it's going to end at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have an interesting example of trauma in terms Mm -hmm. of recall. So um, it turns out there was a woman who had uh, been a Holocaust survivor. As a child, uh, her job was to uh, uh, dig graves for the cremated bodies. And she always had ingrained in her is the smell of the smoke uh, from the crematoriums. Now, this woman ended up moving to California, and um, her son lived in New York. And when she saw the World Trade Center, the towers go down, it immediately rekindled that old memory for her, which had been dormant for 50 years, you know, of the time when she was uh, digging those uh, ditches. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's something. Um, so, so just transitioning a little bit to, from, from trauma to um, the relationship with grief, talk a little bit about guys about 
the grief recovery process itself? You know, what what's your methodology? How do you um, handle the process? Uh, you mentioned, Bill, that it's it's longer than than you know than you might expect sometimes. Yeah, I, I think the notion of being able to resolve one's grief is a longer process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grief recovery method uh, deals with it in eight sessions, and um, and the the you know the, I have to say there were so many things that I learned in my training. You know, not only are there more, uh, 40 different kinds of loss, but uh, also uh, the, the misinterpretations we have and how we uh, end up dealing with people who have just experienced loss. You know, like um, I, I, I know those uh, old statements that I remember hearing when my grandfather died and he was... Um, he was everything to me, and uh, and when somebody would say, "Well, you know what? He's in a better place. He lived the full life," that did not help. I know <laughs> all these people were well intentioned, but it was just so so painful. And indeed, um, you know, our society is uh, very uneducated in terms of uh, how we deal with loss. So when we talk about going through the grief recovery method, uh, you know, the first uh, couple of sessions in it is uh, really related to us learning, you know, more of the right ways about loss. Mm -hmm. I think one of the other things that uh, I found to be incredibly helpful was the the notion of uh, time, you know, Vicky alluded to it uh, just earlier, but that, um, you know, so many, t- so often we hear, let's just give him his space, give him, give him some time before we could address it. And one, one of the things they certainly state was this uh, metaphor, which uh, for me was so meaningful if you end up uh, gashing your leg and you're bleeding, um, do you say, let's just give it some time? Or do we go to the emergency room or we go to the doctor or do we immediately look to put uh, address it with first aid? But when we experience emotional pain, we neglect it. And, you know, with the, this notion of giving it time is does not make any sense at all. Yeah. In fact, you put, during the break, we were talking a little bit about, I wanted to, you to expand on just in terms of when we're, you know, we're dealing with someone who is in grief. You know, we, we don't have the, uh, the methodology or the training to, to encounter them and talk to them, how to talk with them, how to engage them. Uh, expand on that a bit about you know when people are faced with it. How do you approach them? How how what are things to think about? So you know, I think when when this occurs, um, you try to have an open you know an open dialogue, uh, and that just you know not just ask yes or no questions. Uh, you know, try to elicit a safe environment where someone can start talking about what their what their pain is what they're experiencing um and you know 
you know, and and then like you know, Bill said, there's a you know, there's a significant method that is used, you know, in the grief recovery method, and then afterwards there also could be like like other sessions that you could do depending on what that person is is, is suffering with, but. Um, you know, I think it's 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 unique unto itself for everybody for each individual, and I think that as grief recovery specialists, human beings, professionals, we have to be sensitive to what we, we what we see, feel, and hear when we're dealing with people because it's not a one size fits all. Uh, certain people are going to respond in one way, and other people are going to respond in another. Um, and it may not be, the time it may be right or the time it may not be right keeping an open door of uh you know to say okay come back i you know i i have a situation with somebody who i'm very close to um who is in the healthcare field but absolutely cannot talk about death he just cannot and um and the minute that it's uh brought up in any personal way it, it closes down a conversation and this is a person who's in the healthcare field it's very mm-hmm. crazy actually but but that is this person's ability to he he cannot you know he can't grasp it and you know in a you know in outside of his field of expertise so um you know it, it, once again uh, you know bill said it well it's just not one size fits all everybody's going to respond to different things and uh where their comfort level is uh and when they're ready and mm-hmm. you know and uh, so hopefully you can capture that with you know with the people that you encounter and help yeah. them yeah yeah, Bill, you were talking earlier about just, you know, the, being sensitive to different situations that you might not expect, like the you started talking about the first time you experienced you know, sitting Shiva and were surprised by, you know, a, a different ways to look at, at that engagement process. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I had mentioned earlier, um, you know, that uh, I always look at the notion of uh, going to Shiva as a very... Um, you know, extremely sad uh, situation that uh, is going to be filled with doom and gloom. And um, I would, uh, you know, immediately, uh, you know, be attuned and uh, get myself uh, geared up just to be in that kind of state. Mm -hmm. And then when I would get over to the person's house or apartment, I see all this joviality and for me as a child it was highly highly confusing you know and you know what uh, even as an adult as well mm-hmm. so um you know um so why why are people so happy this person just died right yeah, so, just, go ahead yeah. vicky yeah so i'm going to jump in because i have seen a trend and i i've been in that situation many times so like bill has you know with the element of sitting shiver uh from my own family members describe uh, it vicky just for those who may not be familiar with it just you know describe so so a shiver in, in the jewish religion uh you know uh the uh Death is handled differently as is, you know, as it is in different religions. But uh, you know, someone passes away, and they are, you know, they're they're buried quickly, and then afterwards, sit shiver and sit shiver is that time. It's like it's like the reverse of going to um um what, what do they call it um wake wake. Thank you. Uh, wakes. They, they actually have a different term for it today, but it's like the opposite. And you know what? People get together, and yes, and Bill's right. You laugh, you do, but you know what? You also tell stories. You also unite, and also uh, there's there is an element of a you know 
a collective feeling, you know, for that person and the people who love that person and each other. Uh, but today, what I see, in fact, uh, and I've gone to a couple of these. In fact, I have another one to go to in October. Is what they call a celebration of life, where right. now. They are taking those, taking what I guess the, the the Jews said, okay, let's do this. And they're using the elements of that. So uh, I know somebody, uh, a colleague recently passed away suddenly. Um, and uh, and they're going to have on October 15th, you know, almost two months after, you know, after um, a celebration of life, everybody get together. And it, I, I think the, how people and their families deal with this is, you know, very personal. Now I can tell you, I mean, I can personalize it in my own family. When my, when my, um, when my father passed away, uh, my mother wanted an open casket and I did also, um, my other two of my brothers were, they, they kind of didn't care, but one of my brothers was adamant about it. And, you know, basically we had to come to, you know, terms in terms of how to handle that. And that mm-hmm. is part of the grieving process also. You know, for me, I could not, I could not even address the grieving unless I had that final ability to, you know, to say goodbye. And my brother who um, was against it, he could not deal with the fact that and you know so we you know we let him off the hook he didn't have to he didn't have to uh be involved in that so um mm. you know um it's um you know it's a life story it's a life story right mm-hmm. it, it, you know uh and we we come through this we come through this world uh you know we're born we live and unfortunately <laughs> we do pass it is right. it's going to happen to all of us right. so um we hope that it, there's more sensitivity um, and more consciousness about um, you know how to deal with it for ourselves, for our, professionally, for others, and also you know how we do it within our own units. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, we have a lot more to talk about in this subject. Uh, I want to get to it. Uh, we're just going to have to take another short break, though. Uh, so, folks, uh, obviously, we have a lot more to talk about in our final segment with uh, Vicki Eleanor and Bill Sulz. Uh So stay with us. We'll be right back. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Every conversation we have with the people in our lives is part of a relationship with them. From coworkers and bosses to spouses, kids, and parents, to your favorite cashier at the grocery store, the path a relationship takes can have many twists and turns. The Relationship Road Trip, hosted by Dr. Don Azevedo, is here to provide a roadmap for your relationships. The Relationship Road Trip, Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm talking with Greek recovery experts Bill Sols and Vicki Elner. Uh, before the break, folks, we were talking about you know the notion of shifting the grief to celebration. And uh, we were talking a little about memorial services and various kinds of ways to celebrate our, you know, our, our lo- loved ones who we lost. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, about different ways we can move forward and, and elaborate on that. And I know you guys have certain experiences with different kinds of ceremonies and celebrations. But it seems to me, uh, and you could even see this a little bit today at the, um, you know, the reading of the names uh, during the um, 9-11 um, ceremony that, you know, as people read the names, they ended up with uh, a personal name of someone in their family. And then there was a little time for celebration and memorializing. And and the word that came out a lot that I noticed was that they just wanted, they didn't want to be the, their loved one to be forgotten. I think that's something that, that you guys have mentioned before. That's, that's something that's important to people. And this is, a you know, the the celebration is a way to make sure that that doesn't happen and and to do it in in a, in a public format i think was important so so talk about the, either one of you need to start about you know what, what your experience has been with having these kinds of ways to celebrate you know your loved one who's you've lost yeah so uh actually i have uh, a very new experience for me um i uh totally unique i thought so uh, I have a friend who was very active at Atlantic Beach. He was running the beach. You know, he'd be uh, in his ATV. And uh, and over the years, he cultivated many friendships. And after he died, you know, a, a bunch of uh, his friends decided that they wanted to honor him in a way where they um, had what was called a paddle out. Hmm. So, uh, literally about 30 uh, 35 uh, of his friends uh, came down with surfboards on the beach they first formed a circle on the sand and uh, individuals had an opportunity to talk about um, you know um, the deceased and then they paddled out you know to uh, a deeper part in the water and uh, they formed a circle and somebody had brought petals and uh, the rose petals and they sprinkled them uh, you know out there and uh, it was i gotta say extremely moving and you know emotional and 
I know the wife, um, you know, felt, uh, you know, very honored, you know, that all this uh, effort and time was being devoted to her husband. As a matter of fact, uh, they actually had a drone. One of his buddies uh, hired somebody to send a drone overhead. And some of those uh, pictures, uh, both of them still and video, uh, are just incredible. Mm. So I'm going to digress and talk about the Queen of England. You know, uh, she was very involved in her, what was going to happen to her upon her death in terms Mm -hmm. of the pageantry, what you want to remember, music, everything, very involved. We tend to have a, you know, to be very closed mouth about these things. Don't talk about it. Like, if you don't talk about it, it's not going to happen. Guess what? It's going to happen. So eventually. So, uh, I, you know, if those floodgates can be open and people can have an honest discussion about, you know, how you would want, uh, you know, uh, you know, at that time uh, to be remembered. And people, by the way, that is one, one of people's biggest fears of being forgotten. That is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, what I'm going to throw this in also is that, you know, we're talking about, of course, uh, the end result, which, you know, in, in terms of death, but there and this is a show called 45 and forward you know there are there is that element as you're aging and one of the things i picked up that was very integral to me during my training with with grief recovery was the element as you get older and starting to have it change a change in physical physical status maybe a, a change financially uh a change in your your family makeup, people move on, get divorced, they pass, whatever it might be. Um, and you'll find yourself in a world that uh, is very different than you had even thought about or wanted to consider. So I, I think that's that, that it's safe to say that. Uh, you know, for, for one of my brothers, my oldest brother who died from COVID, because we could not do a funeral um, during the height of it. And it also, he happened to live in another part of the country as well as the family is spread out. But we did do a memorial service for him a couple of months after he passed. And it was very warm and uh, loving and emotional. Uh, we had photos, uh, you know, on a slide, you know, a slideshow. Uh, people contributed in stories. And there was a lot of you know, talking about him as a person. And I'm going to mention another thing is that um, after after he passed uh, my brother, Larry, um, I was watching the Today Show and uh, there was a, a doctor, uh, I'm sorry, Rabbi Steve Leather, who is a rabbi of the Wilshire Boulevard Temple out in Los Angeles, was talking about a book that he wrote, uh, The Beauty of What Remains. Mm-hmm. And it really um, spoke to me, especially at that time. It would have spoken to me anyway, but dealing with my own personal uh, grief, um, uh, you know, and how memories are so important. And, you know, what I what I encourage people to do is that, you know, talk about your memories um, and don't be afraid to ask a person, you know, who is grieving, you know, well, tell me about your brother. Tell me about your mother. Let them talk a little bit about it. Because believe me, people tend to say, oh, I'm not going to mention it. They might remember that their mother is gone. Well, let me tell you, they know it. So you're giving them a chance to really reflect on it's There's, And I'm going to end by saying there's 40 plus life events that elicit a grief response. And that's where that misinterpretation comes in. So whether it's the obvious loss of person or, or there's also you move to a different house, it could even be, believe it or not, a happy thing. Something you got a new job, 
more money, and all of a sudden, a person can have a grief, grief response to it. So it really is ubiqu- ubiquitous out there in terms of grief. Um, and if you are struggling with that, there are avenues to access into to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that uh, there there are situations which you're not even focused on a sense of grief. You just there's sort of a just a discomfort. You know, I think. Uh, I think Bill, you mentioned earlier this, and Vicky, you've mentioned earlier in one of your programs on retirement. I think that that's, you know, it's sort of, um, yes. Yeah, so you're moving on to a new chapter, but you're sort of grieving the old chapter, and like because there was a lot of comfort to that, there was a lot of rewards and satisfaction, um, and it's gone. Um, I think the important aspect is if we're unable to effectively grieve the previous chapter, mm-hmm. it hinders us in terms of us being able to move forward to the next. Yeah. No, I think in terms of, you know, staying on that with retirement. So there, sometimes the, the loss can be recalibrated in terms of what, what do you, what do you gain? Um, and and just apropos of the title of the book you just mentioned, Vicky, you know, the beauty of what remains, not what is lost. And I think that's something that you guys have talked about too, is like focus on, you know, wait, what, did it, what is it that while your memories are there, you're, you, you know, those, those are forever as long as you're there. Um, and so you talk to your folks about, um, you know, how to hold on to memories and how to, I mean, I think there's there's just a shift in brain chemistry, right? When you're shifting from loss to, you know, that, those thoughts of joy and experiences that you 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 really you relished with the the ones you've lost. Oh yeah, there's no there's no question. You know the uh, the reminiscing, the stories. Uh, you know, I go through that with I go through through that with uh, patients, cases that I have, and I go through that personally with with relatives. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I just go through it with myself where I will sit back and think about, you know, you know, things that have, um, they're, they're not lost to me. They're, you know, they're part of the fabric of who I am, what, what I, what I, uh, grew up with. Um, and there's loss, but there's love and, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah, there definitely is grief and love. They flip around. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, we just have a few minutes left, but I just wanted to, you know, ask you, you know, so what going forward for you folks? Um, what motivates you guys to keep going and growing in your field? And because I think it's it, it's uh, it's tough dealing with grief. And so, so how do you stay with it? What what motivates you, each of you, Bill? Well, um, I guess what um, motivates me is uh, the whole notion of uh, pain. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, I don't know. I think I've uh, always been uh, very sensitive to other people's pain. And, uh, you know, I know where that stemmed from uh, in terms of my parents' background, etc. And um, basically uh, going forward, uh, to borrow a phrase, is uh, I ended up uh, choosing uh, a path where I could look to help relieve pain you know, of people. So, um, and um, that's what uh, got me involved in terms of working with those individuals who have drug and alcohol issues, anger management issues, uh, 
you know, and um, it was the pandemic that really awakened me to mm-hmm. this whole notion of grief. Because mm-hmm. everybody was in so much pain. Right. And uh, to be able to uh, find a real meaningful uh, means of addressing uh, one's pain, mm-hmm. yeah. people, I thought was tremendous. Yeah. Vicki, we just have a couple minutes, but go ahead. I want to hear your story, too. So um, it's not what I do. It's who I am. And I feel I live a I want to live a life of passion, passionate about what I do, passionate about uh, you know, what I accomplish. Uh, and, you know, this is an area that I feel, you know, passionate about, uh, it, whether it's grief recovery, whether it's, uh, you know, helping people navigate through the elder care, healthcare maze. Uh, you know, I do a few different things. I know I'm, I'm a nurse and I, um, and I also have been a strong uh, senior care, elder care advocate for many years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if I can affect people in a way, in a positive way, give them some you know, give them uh, comfort and give them, uh, you know, uh, the the uh, the advice that they need or yeah, the tools. Yeah, the tools to deal tools. with um, that makes me very happy. And also just, um, you know, once again, I, I it, it, it sounds corny, but making a difference. You know, I, I like to feel that I that, that I that I have made a difference every day of my life as long as I'm here, small ways, big ways. Um, and that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. I know that you uh, you previously won an inspiration award, and Bill has also been a social worker of the year locally here in on Long Island. So, I know that you guys are are clearly in, inspired by your work, and I, I'm gratified that you've done it and continue to do so. So, I I know there's much more to talk about, uh, but that's where I'll have to leave it for today. Uh, I want to thank you, Bill and Vicky, for an important conversation about an often difficult subject. Um, I can tell your friends if they miss my conversation with Vicki and Bill today, they can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com, search for 45 Forward, or you can go to my website, roelresources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab, which you can also find more information about Bill and Vicki there. So uh, be sure to join me uh, next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, when I'll be talking with Anne-Marie Brogan and Marie Limpert, two professional organizers who will tell us how to declutter our minds and discover the magic of organized living. So folks, once again, thanks to Bill and Vicki. Until next week, keep moving forward, 45 Forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.